Hey, I am glad that you all are here this morning. And um, before we uh, jump into our last of our Four Reasons sermon series, I want to talk to parents just for a minute. And really not just parents, but um, kind of in a wider way. Anyone who has influence with kids. So maybe you're a teacher, an aunt, an uncle, a grandparent. You've got kids next door that you pour into. If you have an influence over kids in any way, I want to just have your attention for just a minute. Um, at Riverridge, we have what we call the five shared values of the family. Um, and we have picked these five, and I think we put them on the screen there. Um, and I just want to sit, take a moment and talk about the last one of make it personal. And, and we've, kinda, we've tried to narrow it down to five because sometimes as a parent, you just feel overwhelmed. And it's like, okay, there's like 30 things or 40 things I'm supposed to do. And if there's 30 things I'm supposed to do, I feel terrible about the 29 that I'm inadequate at and, and maybe good about one of them. And so we said, let's look and say, what are five things that if we do these five things well, we can do a good job of passing on faith to our kids. Uh, and so one of them is make it personal. And what make it personal means is that you have a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, that you yourself are pursuing a relationship with Christ. And, and the reason I picked this one to talk about this morning before we get into the four reasons is if you've been here over the past four weeks as we've done the four reasons, all of these messages are about helping you to grow in Christ. You know, as we read God's word, as we grow in prayer, as we pursue Christian friendships, as we seek first God and his kingdom, we do those things. When we as parents, when we as grandparents, as adults do that, and kids see us, our kids see us, and other kids see us, that's part of passing on faith to them. And so we talk about that as a way of saying, this is what I can do to pass on faith to my kids. And to be perfectly blunt, if the sum total of your spiritual life is going to church, if that's the sum total of your spiritual life, the chances of you passing on a vibrant faith to your kids are really pretty slim. Because what we want to do is we want to pass on our faith to them as they see that modeled in our lives. And do they see it in your life? Do they see what you do and how you follow Christ? And, and here's the thing is, you don't have to be super mature to, for this to work. It's, do the kids, do your kids, or those you've influence on, do they see you growing in that relationship? It's not like you have to be at maturity, but do they see you taking those steps? And this week, I sent out a text to our kids, and so we've got a little group chat on uh, our phones that everybody gets. And so I, I sent a, a group chat to uh, our kids, and Stacy included, and I asked this question. I said, uh, growing up, uh, how would you, uh, how did you see, I'm trying to think how I put it. Uh, I asked our kids if they would share, how did they see Christ, or this make it personal, in Stacy and my life? Um, and, and I didn't bribe them, and I didn't threaten them, um, but they actually said some pretty nice things. So this is what Riley texted back to the group. He said, I tell people this often, but it was incredibly influential when I would walk downstairs to get ready for school and would commonly see mom and her Bible and journal open on the couch. It felt like no matter how early I would wake up, she would already be on the couch spending time with Jesus. And he says, some of my earliest memories I have were being pushed in a stroller by you, Dad, with a Ziploc bag of cereal as you were doing your prayer walk around the neighborhood. Um, I don't remember that, but it's kind of cute that he does. And then Emily said this. 
She said, uh, and so Riley's 22, Emily is uh, 24, turning 25 this week. Uh, Emily said, I ditto what Riley said, especially with mom in her quiet time. I would also add that it was really impactful to see you and mom live in a way that was gospel-centered and not just something you checked off in the morning. And then she says something really insightful kind of about her peer group. She said, I'm seeing that a lot of people our age struggle with faith because there was such a disconnect between what their parents said they believed and how they actually lived. That was her comment on life. Uh, And then Will, who's uh, 20, 19, 18? I don't know how old he is. He's bigger than me. Um, Says, for me, it was the way you kept chasing after people, especially kids. After all of us had a good faith, mom was continuing to be a middle school leader after all of us had left middle school. Uh, And then you started foster care. And I love what he says here. Um, He says, it's very clear that you guys are living an uncomfortable life like God called us to live. And I thought that was just neat. Um, And then Ben, the youngest, he texted and said, can I stay out till 1.30 in the morning? And I said, no. So, (laughs) Um, you know, Stacy and I are not perfect parents. um, And our kids, while we love them, are certainly not perfect, but they are pursuing Christ. And I would just encourage you as a parent um, to make sure that you are pursuing Christ and that will have incredible ripple effect on your kids and them pursuing Christ. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we look into your word today, I pray that you would teach us. I pray that you would help us. I pray that you would um, give us insight and understanding into the why behind the what of what we're going to look at this morning. And uh, God, I do pray a blessing over these parents and grandparents and influencers in here that you would help them um, to live out their faith in a real and authentic way in front of their kids and grandkids and students and whoever they might have influence over. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 this morning. So if you brought a Bible, open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9. That's the only place we'll be this morning. If you want to take a moment and find that in your paper Bible, in your online Bible. If not, it'll be on the screen behind you. So over the month of January, we've been doing four reasons why. And uh, basically, if you've missed uh, January, what we're doing is we're looking at the what and what is the why behind the what. What's the reasons behind some of the things that God says to do, whether it be reading the Bible or having Christian friends or prayer. And so this morning, uh, as we wrap up the topic, the topic or the what is giving financially, okay? So as I say that, you may have different reactions. You may say, man, Churches talk about giving so much, and I don't really like that. Or you, maybe you're thinking, is the church in trouble financially? So Matt's given a giving message. Or you're thinking, are we starting another building campaign? Or maybe you're going to feel like, I don't know, I want to connect with this because I'm going to feel guilty because I, I don't give. Or maybe you've got some pride going because you do give. Uh, or maybe I think you're, a lot of people are like, I wish I could give more but I can't. And all of those things or different things may be going through your mind. But I want to assure you of this. We're not talking about money because the church is in some financially bad situation. We're not talking about money today because we're about to head into a capital campaign. Um, And we're not talking about 
money because we're trying to drive people out of church because people don't like coming to churches that talk about money. We're not talking about money for any of those reasons. The reason we're talking about money and specifically giving is because the Bible talks about money and giving a lot. As a matter of fact, the, the Bible talks about money disproportionately to how we at River Ridge talk about money. Um, but the other part is this fits so well into this series of four reasons. Because the chances are, if you've been to church, whether it's here or other places, that you've heard, you know, because we have an offering every week, it's like, well, I guess you're supposed to give to God's work. And so this fits in very well as far as looking at the four reasons to give to God's work. And so we're going to talk about that. And I would also say, you know, if you're visiting this morning um, and this is your first time at River Ridge, you're kind of checking out River Ridge, um, it's maybe a little bit awkward to come and to hear a message on giving. And this message is not for you if, um, if you're brand new to River Ridge Church. But it is interesting to think about giving um, and, and being new because giving sometimes can be like a sticky topic, a sticky subject. It's like, ah, it can be a little bit awkward, right? And I think the best time to kind of peer into something is when you're talking about it, something is difficult. You know, if you want to look and see, you know, if Stacy and I had a good marriage, like the, the place to do that would not be on vacation. Like everybody has a good marriage on vacation, right? You know, you'd want to look at our marriage and say, well, how do they deal with stuff when they have conflict with each other or their kids are trying to figure out money stuff? That's when you would kind of look and evaluate a marriage. And so the same is true as we talk about money. It's like, well, how does this church talk about money? It gives you a good insight if you're new or visiting this morning. So we are in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. Um, and by the way, like you've noticed that I'm fiddling with my earphone a lot. Has anybody noticed that today? It's like a lot. So we had somebody speak on Friday, and he must have just huge ears or something. I don't know. So, all right. I think I'm better now. Seth, I apologize that you have huge ears. Okay. You'll meet Seth with big ears next week, actually. He'll be here. And you can judge for yourself if he has big ears. Okay. Let's talk about the Bible. All right, ready? So we're at first, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. It says this, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches in Macedonia. So there's a couple of different entities that we need to understand as we look at what's going on here. So we have Paul, and he is writing to the Corinthians. So when he talks about you, he's talking to the Corinthians. But then when he talks about they or them, he's talking about or talking about the Macedonians. And what was going on is that at the church in Jerusalem, there is this major famine, this major poverty thing going on in the church in Jerusalem. And so what Paul is doing is he's doing basically an all-church, all the churches in the area, which is really kind of the, in their known world, was doing a collection to help the people in Jerusalem who are really suffering. And so he's writing to the Corinthians to encourage them to give. And part of what he's doing is he's saying, look at the example of the Macedonians. And he's going to give a few examples of the Macedonians so that the Corinthians will be kind of be inspired and understand. So he's really giving reasons to give like the Macedonians gave. And so he says this, um, he says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that was given among the churches in Macedonia. And so he talks about the grace of God that was given. He's talking specifically about their financial 
gifts. And so here's the first reason to give. Because giving is an expression of God's grace. When you give to Riverridge Church or any other gospel-centered organization, you are giving God's grace through your financial gifts. Whether you give a check, whether you drop cash in the offering, whether you set up recurring giving electronically, all of that is giving of God's grace through whatever organization that you're giving, River Ridge or someplace else. I want to read you a text from a guy, and this guy um, met Jesus recently at River Ridge Church, and he sent this text to Jay, Teodora, and then Jay shared it with me. And it's, it's kind of funny how the connection between giving and uh, grace and receiving goes. So he says this. He says, I love my River Ridge t-shirt. Okay, he's got a River Ridge t-shirt. So much that I don't even put it in the drawer. I keep it on a chair in my living room. It is a daily reminder of what it was like to live running from God. I love that. He keeps his shirt out to remind him that he is new in Christ. He says, because, and then this is why the shirt is connected. He says, because of seeing a guy in that same shirt, in a river shirt, at the gym sparked the flame that led me to completely surrender to Christ. Right? And I just, I love that story. And, and this is, this is oversimplifying it a little bit, but basically, you give money to Riverridge Church, we buy a t-shirt, we give it to some guy, he goes to the gym, somebody else sees him in the gym and goes, I'm going to surrender my life to Christ. Now, it's not always that simple, but that's kind of the way that it works. And that is giving creates and gives the opportunity for the grace of Christ to be spread. Then it continues in verse uh, 2 and 3. It says, For in severe tests of affliction, their abundance of joy, so that there is still the Macedonian church, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their own means and of their own accord. So Paul is talking about the, the Macedonians, and he said, out of their extreme poverty, they were generous. And there's a great truth here that we, we kind of have a myth in our own minds that we think or we equate generosity with huge gifts. You know, somebody gives $5 million and they're really generous. Somebody gives a million dollars. Somebody gives $100,000. Somebody gives $10,000. And we go, that's being generous. But the way that Paul defines and the way that God defines generosity is not based on the amount of the gift. It's, on, it's based on the proportion of what a person has, right? So a $10 million gift, it may be generous from that person depending on how much wealth that they have. But for someone who doesn't have a lot, they give and they can still give generously. It says out of their extreme poverty, they were generous. I love that truth. So that all of us, we don't have to be uber rich in order to be generous as long as we are proportionally given and kind of give beyond our means just a little bit. And then it says this in verse 4. It says, uh, begging us, so again, this is the Macedonians talking to Paul. They were begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And I love that expression. It says they begged us. They said, please, can we be a part of this offering because you are going to help the church 
in Jerusalem. And we really want to be a, please can we do it? They were begging to be a part of this offering. Takes us to the second reason of why give. is because giving makes a difference. That the Macedonians, they recognized that when they gave to this world church-wide offering and it went to the church in Jerusalem, it was going to make a difference in their lives. And when we give, it makes a difference in the lives of people. When you give to River Ridge Church, it makes a huge difference in the lives of people here in our community and around the world. And I, you know, I'm going to share a couple of stories about River Ridge, and these are just the ones that I happen to have and collect because, because one of the privileges that I have is that people will send me emails and texts or messages on Facebook and kind of give me appreciation for what God has done through the church. And so I have a collection of these. And I want to read you a couple of them about how River Ridge has made a difference in people's lives. First one says this, I love River Ridge because it's real and honest, and you talk about real life stuff. I love that I feel excited to go to church now, and I'm not bored. I feel like it's really applicable to me. I'm so thankful for you and the wonderful team there and how real and accepting you are. I feel like anyone would be welcome there and feel like they belong and find meaning in the word. Right? I just, I love it. Their person is impacted. Here's another one. It says, hey, Matt, I just want to say I've been attending River Ridge every other weekend for a few months, and I really enjoyed it. My girls asked if we could always go there even before we left from our first visit. My middle schooler said everything is understandable and relatable, and I agree. So thanks for helping me teach my kids how to grow in their journey with God. And then one more. Somebody wrote this to the worship team after Christmas Eve. No word can express my gratitude to your hard work and full hearts. I'm able to go home tonight having experienced the glory of our Lord Jesus through all of you. That was to the worship team. You know, those, um, those emails were written to me or to other people on the staff, but they're really, they're written to you who give generously to River Ridge Church. And the thing is, when it comes to, to giving, and again, these are my stories about River Ridge, but really whenever you give to a gospel-centered, Christ-centered organization that's doing a good job, you are giving to make a difference in somebody else's life. Stacy and I, uh, so we give to River Church and we tithe to River Church, but we also give above and beyond that to some other places. And we were down in McDowell County uh, about a year ago, a little bit more, and, uh, and they have Young Life in McDowell County. And so I was talking to the area director, and then I was like kind of reading a little blurb about Young Life there. And it's just going gangbusters. It's a, a poverty-stricken area in, in McDowell County and just all kinds of troubles and, you know, statistics that you don't want to be on the, that end of and so forth. And so, but the ministry is going gangbusters. And so what they did is they had a banquet, and they do banquet, Young Life banquets, you know, all over the country. And so they got a bunch of people, about 80 or 100 people in a room, and they served them a, a dinner. And this was teachers and parents and people from the community. And they were so excited to get these 80 to 100 people in there. And they, you know, said, hey, we'd like you to give money to Young Life. Uh, and they raised $183. Like, that's like $2 a person. But yet the ministry is amazing but the place is poverty-stricken. And so when we heard that, we're like, you know what? We've got extra. We've got to give to McDowell County because they are making a difference in the lives of kids. So it continues on in verse 5. Paul says this, 
he says, and this, so talking about the, the giving from the Macedonians, and it says, and this was not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. And this goes towards the motivation. It says that they gave first to God. Their motivation, the Macedonians, was they gave because they wanted to please God. And second of all, they gave to us because we asked, because we were taking it to Jerusalem. And then in verse 7, it says this. He says, but as you, so the you, now it's talking to the Corinthians again. So he's saying, but as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also, or this grace of giving. He lists all these things. He says, here's what you excel in. You excel in faith. You've got a great faith. You excel in speech. In other words, you share God's word well. You excel in knowledge. You know who God is. You excel in your earnestness. You're passionate for God. You excel in the way that you love people and the way that we love you. You're excelling there. And he said, see also that you excel in the grace of giving. You see, what Paul is doing here is he's showing them, you've got all these different categories of of faith and sharing God's word and speech and, and passion for God. But I also want you to understand that giving is spiritual as well. And so that's the third reason why give, because giving is spiritual. You know, one of the things that we do is we tend to compartmentalize our lives into this is spiritual, this is sacred, and this over here, this is secular, this is not spiritual. We go, okay, going to church is spiritual, going to a ball game is not spiritual. How I treat people at church is spiritual. How I treat the referees is not spiritual. Right? Am I right? So we compartmentalize life. But what God says, he says, don't compartmentalize life. Everything that we do is spiritual. From going to church to reading the Bible to taking tests to the way that we drive to the way that we raise our kids to going to sports games to the way that we work, it is all spiritual. And that's what Paul is pointing to here. He's saying the way that you give, and broader than that, the way that you handle your money, it is spiritual. Now, in this passage that I read, he says this, excel in the grace of giving. And I want to point you to a diagram. It's on the screen here behind me, uh, but it's also in your, um, in your uh, little bullet, in your um, sermon notes there. And it's something that we came up a few, with a few years ago uh, during a capital campaign about five or six years ago. And I wanted to bring it back because I think it's really helpful when Paul talks about excel in your grace of giving, right? He's saying, I want you to grow in your generosity because he's saying, you know, in the same way we say, all of us would say, I want to grow in my faith, right? We would all say that. I want to grow in my love for people. Yeah, I want, I want to grow in my knowledge of God. And so the same is true. I want to grow in my generosity. And so we kind of created these steps from a couple different passages in the scripture, but mainly coming from this one. So the first step is consistent giving. So this is when a person says, I'm going to give consistently to River Ridge Church, whether I'm there 
or not week to week. It's not like if I come, I give, or if I feel like it or whatever. It's, I'm going to give consistently. It could be 25 bucks a week. could be, you know, 50 bucks a month, whatever it is, but it is a consistent giving. That's kind of the first step. Or even the dollar club. If you're like, hey, it's dollar club Sunday. Every Sunday that there's dollar club, I'm going to give a dollar or five dollars or ten dollars. That would be consistent giving. The second step is proportional giving, right? And this is when we say, you know, I'm going to give a percentage or a proportion of my income to God's work. It could be 1% or 2% or 5% or whatever it is, but, but as my income go, goes up, my giving is going to go up. That is proportional giving. The next step is tithing, and tithing is also proportional as a percentage. So tithing, it's a, it's a word from the Bible that means 10%. So it means I'm going to give 10% of my income to God's work. So that also is a percentage. That's found all over the Old Testament. It's found a couple times in the New Testament as well. So that would be the next step. And then the top step is what we labeled or called hilarious giving. Um, and we call it a hilarious giving. It comes from actually 2 Corinthians 9, 7, where it said God loves a cheerful giver or God loves a hilarious giver is the Greek word that cheerful is taken from. Uh, but a hilarious giver is someone who goes above and beyond tithing. And it's really, it's kind of a mindset difference of instead of saying, how much do I have to give? It becomes a mindset of how much can I give? And asking questions like, how can I rearrange my life so that I can give more? How can I use what God has given me to impact the most number of people? Uh, it's also asking question: how generous can I be? Or if I get some extra money, how can I use this and bless people in God's kingdom? So that is hilarious giver. So that's kind of the next step. And again, I share that because just like we say, I want to grow in my faith. I want to grow in my love. I want to grow in my knowledge of God to challenge you and to challenge us to say, I want to grow in my generosity, to excel in this grace of giving. We're going to jump down to chapter 9 as we continue on. And most of 8 and 9 is about this whole thing, uh, but just for the sake of time, we need to jump down a little bit here to verse nine, chapter 9, verse 6. He says this. He says, The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now, I want to be really careful and clear about what Paul is saying and what he meant and what he's not saying and what he meant. Because, you know, this idea of if you sow generously, you're going to reap generously. If you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. There are televangelists who have kind of taken this way out of context. And, and my buddy Benji quotes this guy, I don't know he quotes, but he goes, he goes you know, you got to give to get. I don't know who that is, but I find it funny when Benji imitates him. But you got to give. That is not what Paul is saying. Paul is not saying, you know, if you're really generous and give money to my ministry, if you're generous, then you're going to get a boat, and then you're going to get a nice car, and then you're going to win the lottery, and then you're going to get a raise. He's not saying that. And by the same token, he's not saying, and if you give sparingly, your car is going to break down, your furnace is going to break down, and nobody's going to like you anymore. He's not saying that, right? But what he is saying what Paul is saying is if you live a life of generosity, if you live a life that is beyond yourself, then you will reap the benefits of living in such a way that is abundant life, is living in such a way of peace and contentment with the way that you live your life. 
he continues on, and this adds to it. This is verse 9 and 10. And he adds to it and helps us to see what he means by the bountiful life. He sows um, abundantly, uh, will reap abundantly. It says, verse 9, it says, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. So when, when we live a life of growing generosity, it says we have a harvest of righteousness. It says we'll be enriched in every way, and it will make us thankful for what we have. That's the kind of abundance that he's talking about when we sow and when we live generously. In there, he also says this in verse 10. He says, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply what you need. Takes us to the fourth reason of why give. It's because God teaches, excuse me, because giving teaches trust in God. Giving teaches trust in God. As Paul was writing to the Corinthians, one of the things that he did, he said, set aside money for this offering. Because I'm coming, he, he kind of went to the to Corinth, said, I'm going to come collect this offering, I'll be back. He said, I want you to set aside money for this. And it follows a, a principle through, that we see throughout the Bible, which is called a first fruits offering. It's this idea of we give to God first and then live on the rest, instead of let me live the way that I want to live, and then if I have any left over, I'll give God the leftovers. And it comes from a, a really kind of, if you think about the Bible, and, and it was an agrarian society, and, and it kind of shows us what this principle is like when you think about it in an in a agricultural society. So if you were a guy and you or a family and you owned, say, 10 acres of olive trees, right? And for you to give the first fruit of your olive trees, so you would harvest that first acre of olives, and then you would go and you wouldn't actually give money. You would actually go take those baskets of olives and you would bring it to the temple, right? And that was your first fruits offering. The first fruit that produces, you give it. And then you would harvest the next nine acres. And that's what would provide the income for your family. And you would sell it at market or you would make olive oil or whatever you would do out of it and you would live off the rest. But there was a faith element in doing that because as you lived off that other nine acres of olives, anything could happen. Animals could come and eat it. Locusts could come. There could be a storm. They might rot. You just never know. And so there was an act of faith to give that first portion to God. And so we kind of follow that same principle as we give the first portion to God. And, and the way that I look at it is, is this. It's like, I believe that God can provide for me and my family more peace and abundance and um, contentment living on 90% than I could provide for myself living on 100%. And that's that idea of trusting God with what we have. So those are the four reasons. It's an expression of God's grace. It makes a difference in people's lives. It is spiritual, and it teaches us to trust God. Um, I want to take you back to the steps diagram. And each week we've talked about the what 
and then we've also talked about the how. And I would encourage you to look at that and just ask the question, what's the next step for us in our family? Maybe, hey, we just need to start to give consistently. Maybe we've been tithing for a long time, and it's time to say, hey, how much could we give? What would it look like to give above and beyond that? But just ask you to pray and consider what would that look like in your life. I want to close um, by reading uh, a couple of cards. And one of the things, you know, as we look at these reasons, is it makes a difference. And Riverage Church, you all are generous. Again, I'm not giving this message because, like, we're in financial trouble or there's a problem going on. I want you to give because it's what is going to grow your faith. Um, but as you give to Riverage, we get the opportunity to bless people in our community. And so, and, and being honest, the more that you give to Riverage, the more that we can bless the community and the world around us. Um, but when we do that, sometimes people are nice enough to write us cards. Um, and so one of the things that we did, and maybe you participated in this in uh, December, is we, a lot of us wrapped Christmas presents and then we took them to the cancer center. Oh, I'm a couple of minutes over. I apologize. Um, I'll read this real quick. It says this. It says, thank you for your generous gifts to the children of the Children's Cancer Center. Your gifts brought many smiles for each child. We placed them under our tree and had a child pick a present after their infusions. Thank you for supporting our children throughout the holiday season. You make a difference when you give. Um, and then one of the things that we have done uh, that we did over this kind of COVID, obviously you guys know that people working in hospitals are just up against it. It's a really hard job. Uh, and so we want to be a blessing to them. Uh, and so they wrote a note to Kim who organized it. Uh, it says, thank you so much for Jimmy John's. So we gave a whole box of Jimmy John's subs. The staff are exhausted when they get home, and not having to pack a lunch the next day is very helpful. It also gives them something positive to look forward to. And then that's um, from the nurse manager of the floor. So thank you for giving, and uh, let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning and this opportunity that we have to talk about giving. I pray that you would touch each of our hearts and show us what you want us to do and how you want us to respond uh, to this message. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.